let's start talking about the power rankings for this week because it's going to be an interesting week. I actually haven't seen the finalized order yet, um, but all three of us had vastly different power rankings this week, which I thought was kind of interesting. So I'm going to let Will, who at this point will have them done for us, tell us what the power rankings are this week. So this will be the first time that I'm hearing them too. So Will, go ahead and roll on. <laughs> you don't have it done yet, do you? Let's start off by talking about this week's power rankings. I'm going to say this is going to be the this is probably going to be the more controversial power ranking that we've done because all three of us had such vastly different lists. Most weeks you'll see dips one or two like one or two teams flipped, but this week it was like a trying to trying to find on a, trying to make a Jenga tower. So uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and let Will roll them off for us because I'm very interested to see what the final uh, final is. I don't actually know it. I didn't bother to calculate it. So Will, go ahead and do so it. I'm, so I'm going to run through these. The top six stayed the same. Jack, if any of these you disagree with, let me know because mine are pretty similar to what we tweeted out. But staying with with the same top top six as we did last week, we got Georgia one, Alabama two, Ole Miss three. For Arkansas, Arkansas staying at four even after a loss to Alabama. Me and you didn't take much off Arkansas because, especially when they played the number two team. And I don't and know if anyone watched that game. Are you kidding me? That game was awesome. No, like no, like like anybody who would put Arkansas lower because they lost to Alabama didn't watch that game. Yeah, and at five and six, we had Mississippi State and Texas A&M staying the same as last week. Last week we had Auburn at number seven, but now we have Tennessee at eight. We have Kentucky going up one spot. At nine, we have Missouri, who was 11th last week. And then at 10, we have South Carolina. Jack, I know South Carolina moving up two spots as well. Jack, I know you disagree with Missouri being over South Carolina. Tell us why. So it was both myself and Pat, and I'm going to go ahead and talk about that. Obviously, I think right now South Carolina is genuinely hotter than Missouri is. I think Missouri beat a Florida team that had let go of the proverbial rope. Um, I don't think it was that impressive of a win, especially because they had to come back and win. I think South Carolina genuinely – I mean, obviously that game was controversial because of the – well, we'll get into that later. But South that, Carolina – I think your argument South Carolina also beat a Florida team who had completely let them go to the road. But they, they'd they, – the difference for me is that South Carolina absolutely bent Florida over, whereas Missouri held in there. I agree, and my and the difference for me and why I have Missouri over South Carolina is the fact that they played last week in Missouri beat South Carolina, and they have the same record. Both teams, the six and five, and Missouri has the head-to-head win last week. It's not like they played five weeks ago or a month ago, two months ago, last week. Yeah, um, I don't know. I still feel like South Carolina is hotter to me. I, I it just makes more sense in my opinion. Okay. I mean, hey, teach his own. At 11, we have Auburn dropping from 7, so one of the biggest drops you'll see. And then 12, LSU, 13, Florida. Who would have thought that? And then at 14, pulling down the spot all year long, we got Vanderbilt. Yeah. Utter disgrace to SEC football Vanderbilt is, huh? Actually, you know, they, they played all right against, against Ole Miss. I'll give, give them credit where credit's due. I mean, yeah. you can correct me if I'm wrong here. But 
from the records that I'm looking at, every single team in the SEC outside of Vanderbilt has a chance of making a bowl game. I'm pretty sure that is a fact. I think uh, Florida obviously probably isn't going to. Well, uh, we'll talk about that. But Florida at 5-6, LSU at 5-6. Again, they play Texas A&M. But Florida's got a bowl. Or no, LSU's got a bowl ban. Oh, yeah, that's right. Damn. Okay. All right, well, that's the power rankings. Uh, tell us what y'all think about it. If y'all disagree about places, make sure to go to our Twitter and tell us why. Let's move on to covering this week's games. Yeah, I do want to say before uh, we, we, we start these week's games, obviously we'll be starting off with what, in my opinion, might have been the game of the week. Um, Arkansas, Alabama, I do want to say you can interact with us over there on Twitter at around underscore SEC. We forgot to mention that, so I'm going to put that in there. And then there were a lot of cupcake games, so we're going to – the ones that weren't close, we're going to kind of fly by those, but we'll we'll definitely make sure to stop and talk about the good ones. Yeah, so let's talk about this first one. Obviously, again, the best game this week, in my opinion, in terms of stuff that really matters. Um – Arkansas really trying to open the door of the SEC West in this game, it feels like. Um, (laughs) Not going quietly into the night. Um, This game, the scoreboard, 42-35, doesn't look great. Um, No, that looks, I mean, I think it looks fine. What I'm saying is I actually think this game felt more like 36-35 is more what I'm trying to say. I feel like, obviously... Arkansas coming into this game didn't have much of a hope of actually going in there and beating Alabama, but happy to say that we competed and were pretty much in it until the very end, which where there was a controversial touchdown, which, you know, I'm going to let Will talk about it because obviously my bias can get in the way. A big fat bias always hurts, but um, I'm really proud of this Arkansas team, and I think it's crazy to think about the fact that two years ago this Arkansas team lost to West Virginia. Uh, oh no, uh, Western Kentucky and uh, at home, and now they're going to Alabama, and um, just to be frank, um, playing their ass off and uh, pretty much making Alabama sweat it till the very end. I just want to talk about Alabama's players real quick. Bryce Young balled out, five hundred fifty-nine passing yards. I think it's an Alabama record or something like that. Five touchdowns. Jameson Williams, who's a, man, just maybe one of the best receivers in the country outside of Ohio State receivers, obviously. And then John Mechie, they both totaled for 363 reception yards. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. But I really want to talk about Braylon Burks, also eight receptions for 179 yards and two touchdowns, taking a comeback route on Alabama, what was it, 60, 50 yards, something like that. Yeah. Just watch play. Just want to shout out to those players because, man, they really, yeah, I mean, they really played well. But let's talk about the game. And first, let's talk about Sam Pittman's fake field goal. <laughs> Blake Kern, man. Gotta love it. If you don't follow, by the way, Arkansas's punter on Twitter, you should. Um, this is the second week in a row he's had a game-breaking play. Um, and uh, I don't know, man. Punters are people, the stones, too. The stones on Sam Pittman were really impressive. It's not as good. It's actually just his testicles. Watching the game, I saw Arkansas setting up for a field goal, and I was thinking, okay, well, I I don't agree with this field goal attempt, but whatever they're going to do, what they're going to do. And then I look up, and boom, it's a touchdown. Like, oh, oh, what happened? (laughs) So that was an amazing play by Arkansas. Let's talk about, obviously, the most controversial play. Jameson Williams touchdown in the fourth quarter with five minutes left. 
Arkansas still had a great chance to win this game, send it to overtime or otherwise. And you have a deep throw to Jake Williams. And I saw it live, and I'm thinking, oh, okay. He caught it, but he was out of bounds, surely. So I changed the channel. Didn't realize they called a touchdown. And I, I thought they didn't even review it, which I thought was ridiculous. But then they, I heard they reviewed it, and they still called a touchdown. And anybody that goes back and watches it, yes, he caught the ball, but he was laying, physically laying out of bounds. So uh, I, I, there's not really much to say except Arkansas kind of rude. Now, does this change the outcome of the game? I don't know. I feel like Alabama, that was a third down. That was a third and ten where they threw the ball. So it would have been a fourth and ten. It could have. Does it change the overall? Probably. Pro- I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was like first or second down. So no. I mean, third down, yes, it, that changes the game. Either way you look at it. So I mean, if I'm an Arkansas fan, I'm just sick. I'm just sick. You have a chance, and really, if you look at it, you, you have Sam Pittman, who's not leaving anywhere, and he's competing with Alabama now. Is Alabama's strongest team? No. If you're an Alabama fan, I know we got to talk about Alabama too. Are you very confident playing Georgia? I'd have to say no at this point. Um, yeah, that's that's what I think about it. By the way, shout out to KJ freaking Jefferson in this game. A lot of people have criticized his ability to throw the ball, but he was pretty lethal in this game as well. Uh, you know, as an Arkansas fan, I do have to shout him out. But 22 of 30, 326 yards and three touchdowns. That's pretty. I gotta, give, I gotta give credit to Arkansas here. Just watching the game, I thought it was going in a very Tennessee Alabama game like thing, where Alabama looks like they're about to just kind of put the nail in the coffin in the second quarter and the third quarter. And I was thinking, okay, that's it. That's what's gonna do. And Arkansas just kept hanging in there, scoring touchdowns, and that gave them a shot on an onside kick at the end of the game to have one last game-winning drive. I wish they'd got it. It would have been to see. Yep. But, you know, wasn't to be. Um, but as an Arkansas fan, I'm pretty happy with competing with Alabama in the second year of an offensive lineman that everyone hate that everyone hated the hire of uh, back when he got hired. So, um, yeah. offensive line coach, obviously, being Sam Pittman. But, either way, I'm pretty happy about it. I think most Arkansas fans, you know, like you said, don't feel great about how it happened, but we're happy that we played well. Um, and we're looking forward to this coming week, uh, hopefully getting another trophy back. But let's move on uh, to the next game, which is going to be Auburn, South Carolina. This is going to be another good game that we saw this week, but another majorly controversial moment. I did not get to see this one live. All I know is South Carolina won. And I do want to shout out to Pat, even though he's not here. He got it exactly right. He said 21-17 last week. Did he really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. If you if you want the timestamp, it's 48 minutes into the episode, 48 minutes and 20 seconds into the episode. Right when he says it. And he gets an I told you so after that. So congratulations to Pat. I told you so. No one can sing that but Randy Travis. Notes. <laughs> <laughs> Of this game, Auburn comes up, comes out fast again. Auburn was up fourteen to zero after the first quarter, and uh, I didn't think it was over because I, I didn't 
you know, against Auburn. But at the same time, I was thinking, can South Carolina's offense come back from that? But the rest of the game, South Carolina outscores them 21-3. to P.J. Finley really struggled going 17 for 32, 188 yards for one touchdown. Uh, Auburn needs to – Brian Harson has to do something about their quarterback position in the offseason because P.J. Finley is not the answer. <laughs> no, he is not. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I will say it's probably taken a majority of the season, probably a lot longer than Game Talk fans wanted it to last. But they finally found a consistent run game. They ran for 149 yards against Auburn's solid defense. And they've been running the ball pretty well the past few weeks, which this is all the South Carolina, this is the South Carolina offense we expected all offseason. But we have to talk about the punt and muff controversy. Did he touch it at the end of the game? There was about two minutes, I think, on the clock. I can't quite remember. But South Carolina punts it to Auburn with one last chance for Auburn to get down. It gets really close to an Auburn player. It's not ruled that he touched it on the play. So they have to overturn it to give South Carolina the ball. And you go look at it. May it have touched him? Possibly. But there was far from um, conclusive evidence to me. Um, The announcers, people on Twitter, everyone else were like, okay, Auburn's going to get the ball. Surely Auburn's going to get the ball. So I actually think Auburn kind of got screwed. Do I think they go down and score a touchdown? You never know. I mean, you never know. But that being said, Shane Beamer has South Carolina in a bowl bowl game in his first year. I mean, that... Granted, uh, Will's Will's been a huge proponent saying this. It's a very weak six wins. I'm not trying to take anything away from. But you're not wrong because I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. Three of those wins have come against SEC teams. Now, granted, the 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 quality of those SEC SEC teams may not be super high, but an SEC team versus any out of conference game is something. So. These are their wins. Eastern Illinois, Eastern Carolina, Troy, Vanderbilt, uh, Florida, when they were kind of unraveling, and then Auburn after Bo Nix lost. No, no, that's SEC. Stuff happens, right? Uh, you, you, you catch teams when they're not the strongest. I'll give South Carolina credit. They took advantage of it. So, yep. uh, yeah. I do want to talk about a little rumor, and again, uh, with the Auburn Muff Punt thing, that, that, that's got to hurt if you're an Auburn fan. And then Shane Beamer, rumors to Virginia Tech. Obviously the place where Frank Beamer coached. What do you think about that? I think that would be ignorant to assume that that's happening right now. But to say, but crazier I, things have happened. I, so, I I'm, I'm really just throwing it out there for fun. I don't think Shane Beamer's... I don't, I don't think Virginia Tech would be stupid to hire Shane Beamer right now. With, I mean, he's done nothing. Uh, we did just admit that he's taken him to a bowl game, which in its own right is impressive because when you look at the roster, yes. it wasn't great. But they don't do a bowl game, they're going to party. They're going to ex- celebrate that as they should. And But again, Shane Beamer to Virginia Tech. I just kind of heard that as a joke, obviously, because that job's open for uh, Frank Beamer's his dad. So, yeah, but talk about that game. Obviously, South Carolina wins 21-17. So let's move on. All right, uh, the next game we have to talk about, I would believe, is going to be the Georgia-Charlton Southern game. And I do want to talk about this because, to me, it says something. Um, obviously, 
me and Will had an argument about the uh, introduction to the podcast. <laughs> no one cares about George's quarterback struggling against Charleston Southern because it's an unimportant game, but Jack seems to really care, so I'm going to give him the floor. So, here's what I think about Georgia. I think this is the best football team in the country. Bar one per- barring one position, that would be quarterback. I think they have struggled at quarterback all season, and I'm not quite sure what they're trying to do yet. Obviously, JT Daniels makes his return in this game. Uh, goes 7 of 12, 73 yards. Decent production, one touchdown, no interceptions. That's always good to see. So, now, let's go take a look at the pro- assumed well, most recent starter, uh, Stetson Bennett. 8 of 14, 105 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Overall, not bad production through the year. Average is pretty good, right where you want it to be, above that five mark. And then, obviously, one interception. Actually, these their quarterback room threw two, but um, one interception uh, from Stetson Bennett. But overall, not a great completion percentage, only hanging above 50 by just a few points. And to me, that's a problem. Because Georgia Southern, obviously the Buccaneers, not a good football team. But they do have quite – I'm talking about Georgia again. They do have quite the Achilles heel with this quarterback position because when you think about it, they're going to have to – they haven't played much of anybody. We covered that last podcast. We talked about it. They have not played much of anybody. But they're about to. They're about to play Alabama, who no matter how how you look at it, is a decent team. They're good enough to beat Georgia if Georgia comes in with a bad day. But do I think Georgia's going to win? Yes. But I think if they're going to lose, it's going to be because be because of this quarterback room. They need to get the quarterback call right every game. It's obvious they have two quarterbacks. I don't even really think it matters if Georgia loses to Alabama because they're going to make the playoffs either way. No, but I, what I'm saying is if Georgia wants the SEC, which I think is only natural that they would want the, want to win the SEC and the national championship to have the perfect season, because who doesn't want the perfect season, they need to figure out the quarterback position. And right now it just feels like it's in total shambles, and I think it's significant. It is yeah, very significant. I, I mean, a lot of people do realize that. It is, I mean, they play three QBs. It's, they don't have an elite quarterback. But they have a game manager, and is that going to be good enough for them to win the national championship? I don't think so. I don't think Alabama's Georgia's problem. I think Ohio State is. Ohio State is looking good. Yes, they struggled at the beginning of the year, but they have three. I think if you had the top five receivers in the in the country, Ohio State has one, two, and three. Uh, Chris Olave, Jigba, and I forgot the other dude's name. But, man, they are good. I mean, they roasted. Michigan State this week, and I think Michigan State was a legit top 10 team. So I think this Ohio State team is going to be Georgia's problem. And whether they can beat them or not, I don't know. But my thing also is Ohio State has a really good defense. Can Georgia's offense score more than Ohio State? I don't really think so. Holy crap. Excuse me. Excuse me. (laughs) I thought thought someone flushed a toilet behind you or something. But we didn't actually say the score of this game. Obviously, the score is fifty-six to seven. Uh, Georgia does dominate, but again, my start, my I do struggle let's to. Moving, let's start moving through these games. Yeah, okay. we'll start moving through them. Uh, moving on to the next one, it's going to be Florida versus Missouri. Oddly enough, we have another what oddly turned out to be a decent game of crap teams. 
Um, Florida loses again, obviously pulling the, uh, forcing them to pull the trigger on Dan Mullen, who uh, I think me and Will kind of came to the conclusion that just couldn't handle the pressure of this job, or maybe just wanted to get fired. I don't know what was going on here, but either way, the stooge is gone, and this game should have never gone to overtime. Missouri gets into a bowl game, though, so congratulations to Missouri. Congratulations to Eli Dorkowitz. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not much to say here. I think Missouri took advantage of a falling apart Florida team, uh, but they had to do it in overtime. So kudos to them for being able to do it. Let me talk about the Stones, and I think Missouri's actually. I mean, I'll, I'll give props to Eli because he didn't let his team quit because this team looked bad. I mean, bad at the beginning of the year, and this is an offense. Florida offense scored seventy last week. So if that Missouri defense keeps playing like it did, Florida. I don't care if they quit or not, should be able to score more than 23 points on Missouri, but they didn't quit. And that was very evident. So I'm going to give Eli Drinkwitz a kind of props for keeping this team together. And look, they're going bowling. And I didn't fully expect that earlier on in the season because they looked really bad. But as far as in overtime, Missouri gets that two point conversion after Tyler Beatty just bullies Florida for 25 yards in three plays. And then that uh, the two point conversion. I mean that he, Eli went for it. He, he he just went ahead went for it. I, looking at the play, I actually thought Missouri wasn't going to get it. Beatty goes out to the right, and that looks like is where they're going to go. He's covered, and then all, at the last minute, he throws it back across the field, and it's a touchdown. And Missouri wins the game, rushes the field, and everything else. So it was a fun game to watch. Uh, Obviously, as a Tennessee fan, very fun to watch Florida lose. But Tyler Beatty goes 146 yards for a touchdown. And uh, I had asked the question when I was writing this, is Dan Mullen effectively gone? We got that answer yesterday. yesterday. <laughs> I didn't think about it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, we can, we'll talk about the Florida coaching search here in a minute after we get done with these games. So let's go, just go ahead and move on. Let's move on a little bit further. And now we got Kentucky versus um, New Mexico State, Kentucky taking care of business. Uh, Will Levis throwing fourth tutters. Uh, always good to see from Will Levis. Hopefully that gives him some confidence. Moving into the last game of uh, the season, uh, obviously, like I said, Kentucky beating New Mexico State 56-16. to Let's move on again uh, further to LSU, UL Monroe. That game, 27-14, to a lot closer than I'm sure LSU fans wanted it to be, but at this point, are you really surprised um, seems to me like Ed Ogeron doesn't care anymore. He's just trying to go home, get himself some. Well, I can't say that on air. Let's move on to. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, move on again to uh, Mississippi State and Tennessee State. Mississippi State takes care of business once again against a non-ranked opponent. Uh, obviously, to boost their record to seven and four, they beat my prediction of six and six this year. Congrats to Mississippi State. You actually seem to be getting something going over there. Will Rogers looks like Will Rogers, 55-10 to 10 for that game. Moving on again, let's talk Ole Miss Vandy. Stank game of the week. Ole Miss continues to look lackluster later, late in the season, only beating Missouri, or not Missouri, uh, Vanderbilt 31-17. to 17. Um, Ole Miss gets it done, but they have to out, well, essentially they have to out-talent uh, Vandy instead of just out-coach them and out-play them. So not a great look for Ole Miss going into the next week. The score is definitely closer than the actual game was. Ole Miss got out to a pretty big lead, and then Vanderbilt scored two touchdowns late to make it closer. 
I think Ole Miss is looking ahead to Mississippi State by halftime, so I don't really read too much into it. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm with Will on that, but it is still kind of weird to see that. Obviously, moving on once more, we have a 60-14 dominating win by the Tennessee Volunteers over South Alabama. Hendon Hooker, Hendon Hooker looked great, 17 of 22, 73 and two touchdowns. Always like to see that kind of efficiency from a quarterback, no matter the game. Um, Tennessee may have a game on their hands next week, though, because obviously they'll be playing one of the best teams in the SEC in Vandy. Um, <laughs> Will, I, I, I said that just to get the look on Will's face. Obviously, our last game of the week, Texas A&M taking care of business to move to 8-3 and three at 52-3 and three over Prairie View A&M. That's all, right, all, right. all the games. Yeah, all right, let's move on. So I want to talk about a few things. One... Uh, we, we can take a break right after this. I forgot to mention this, but did you see Eli Drinkwitz's lightsaber that he pulled out on Florida in the postgame? Yeah, I did. And I actually, you, you know, I don't know yeah. if you know this. I'm allergic to cats. Um, I'm allergic to latex, and I am allergic to cringe. Um, it's not going to kill me. It's going to make me kill myself. And uh, that was yeah. pretty close. Uh, I, I, I loved it. I'm not going to lie. I really loved it. Obviously, Dan Mullen, after the game last year, it was on Halloween. But it comes out in the press conference after they beat Missouri in a Darth Vader costume. And Eli Drinkwitz, right at the end of his press conference, pulls out a lightsaber. And I, I forgot what he said. But it, it was it was very – I thought it was pretty funny. I, I thought it was very nice shade thrown. Um, so let's talk about this Florida coaching search, and then we can take a break. All so right. the, from our Florida fans that we know and what we've been hearing as well – Billy Napier seems to be the guy for Florida. That's who they want. Um, our Florida fans sent a report from somebody he trusts that Napier is already having a conversation with Louisiana Tech. So, uh, right through the Raging Cajuns. Um, so that could be coming soon. Um, possibly not. It, it, you know, all these reports, especially in coaching search season, there's a lot of false ones. So let's just. First of all, do you like Billy Napier as Florida's head coach? I'm actually going to say... Mm, a part of me wants to say no because I'm not 100% confident in the hire, but I don't think it would be... It's a safe pick. That's a think, that's a, that's a seven-win season to me. My thing is Billy Napier is a saving disciple. He's done okay. I mean, they're pretty good at uh, Louisiana the uh, Rick. I can't think of it. Raging Cajuns. Yeah, I'm just going to start saying Raging Cajuns. He did he pretty good there, but is he is he a great coach? That's, that's what I think. I, I don't think there's anything special about Billy Napier. Like, does he have great defense? He has good defense. He has good offense. He has good offense. But is he... I just don't know. That It just doesn't It doesn't get my blood flowing. You know what I mean? There's yeah. But some of the other names coming up are Mario Cristobal, Lane. Uh, do you want to pause? Yeah, we'll be right back. I'll just, just tell me when to start. I'll start talking. You go ahead, start. Sorry about that, everybody. Yeah, so sorry about that. We'll get right back to it. Mario Cristobal. Will, first of all, the question is, would he leave Oregon? I don't fully think so. I feel like he's for. And it's not that it's he wouldn't leave because he wouldn't want to go to Florida. I think he just likes Oregon. I, at this point, I don't necessarily see him leaving Oregon unless Alabama offers him the job. So 
I'm going to say no on that one. But the interesting one, and one is a Tennessee fan that just, like, grinds my gears, is Lane Kiffin to Florida. I'm saying no. Lane Kiffin's going to be in every coaching search for a while now. It's not going to happen. Everybody stop. He's at Ole Miss. It fits. It works. Yeah, but uh, I'm so... That doesn't mean anything with Lane Kiffin. For For me... Lane Kiffin might not leave because one, he doesn't—he probably doesn't want to leave Ole Miss after two years and kind of keep that uh, thing about him where he just leaves the school after a couple of years because that's really not a good look and it's not—it's going to kind of deter bigger schools from hiring you. And then would Florida risk it with Lane Kiffin because you can see how it could crash and burn very well because again, we've never seen. Lane Kiffin at a job for too long, which means there's probably not enough time for a culture to deteriorate. It's easy to have a culture in the first one, two, three years. I think it's easy there. But when you get into the fourth and fifth year, does your message get old? Is your attitude does your attitude get old? Because obviously Lane Kiffin has a big personality. Does that get old? Does his culture deteriorate. That's the question. I, I think it's also very risky. So I don't necessarily see Lane Kiffin going there. But again, Billy Napier seems to be the favorite. So with that said, that pretty much concludes team news. We have some basketball stuff. Uh, the one basketball note I had is Tennessee. Okay, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll talk. We'll talk about basketball on the other side. Clearly, my dog is losing his marbles. So we will talk about that on the other end. Thank you for sticking through us, sticking with us through the break. Um, obviously, a little bit of an abrupt break there, uh, but the dogs had to go outside. You know how it goes. All right, well, lead us off with some basketball stuff before we get into the next week's games of, or honestly, rivalry week. Yeah, totally forgot about basketball. So sorry, I don't have basketball stuff for every team. It's just what I saw. Tennessee was in a tournament this week. Most teams are playing easy games. That's why I saw Ole Miss lost to Boise, though. It's kind of embarrassing. Hmm. But Tennessee got destroyed versus Villanova, and then had a nice bounce back game versus North Carolina. That extends my basketball talk. Let's get into rivalry week. This is what we're here for. So starting off on the probably one of the best rivalries in college football, kind of underrated. On Thursday, we have Ole Miss at Mississippi State for the Egg Bowl on ESPN at 6.30 p.m. Thursday. Dude, we have Thursday, Friday, and Saturday football this week. We have two days where we don't have real football. Yes, sir. These are things that you like to see, love to hear. Yeah. Do you have lines for us on this game? I do. Mississippi State is favored by one Whoa. point. Really? See, I didn't know how much credit Mississippi State would get for being the home team here, but man, those cowbells do make a difference. The way I see this game playing out, I have I like Ole Miss more than I like Mississippi State. I have been very impressed with Mississippi State, but Ole Miss, I think, is just quite on another level, and I think they're going to be able to edge out Mississippi State. I have Ole Miss winning 28-27 to in a very, very close game. For what I have Ole Miss, what they have to do to win, don't pee in the end zone. That's <laughs> You can't do that. It's what Mississippi State. You have, you have to keep Ole Miss off 
balance with the occasional runs. The past few weeks, Mike Leach has shown the ability to really put an emphasis on the run game, which I think brings the defense down and opens it up for that offense. Just that's a little bit more, which makes it deadly. They have to be able to do that versus Ole Miss to win this game. That being said, I have Ole Miss winning 28-27. I've already said that. Mississippi State could very easily win this game as well. I'm actually going to take Ole, uh, Ole Miss to lose this game. Uh, Mississippi State wins 35-20. to 20. That would not – wow. Wow, so you have a damn near blowout. So, so I, 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 think, I, I think Mississippi State's – right now Ole Miss just looks dead and tired. I mean, I haven't seen a game where they've really impressed me in a while. I mean, if, if that's how you feel, that's fair. I, I, I don't take much off Ole Miss from that – again, they are injured, but I don't take much off Ole Miss from the Vanderbilt game. I think they were looking ahead to this Mississippi State game. So, with that being said, again, Mississippi State was probably looking ahead to Ole Miss versus Tennessee Tech, but nonetheless. So Look, I will happily be proven wrong in this game. I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, that's, that's our predictions for the Egg Bowl. Make sure you're tuned in on Thursday to watch this game. It should be a lot of fun. Moving on, we have a Friday game. Missouri at Arkansas on CBS at 2.30. Tell us all about it. Arkansas favored by 14.5. I'm actually going to tell you to take Mizzou on that, by the way. Wow, 14.5. Yeah, there's no reason it should be that high. I think both these teams um, could win this game. I think Arkansas is the better team this year. Uh, They've proven it throughout the entirety of the year. I think Missouri is capable of beating Arkansas. They're on a high right now, winning five straight, I believe it is. So <clears throat> this is going to be an interesting one to watch, a Friday a Friday uh, afternoon game. Obviously, not many people will be watching it, I imagine. Hopefully, though, there will be a lot of people in attendance to make, huh? Yeah, I, I think people will be watching. I don't know. I, I think maybe. But a Friday, a Friday afternoon game is going to be a little bit harder to tune in than a uh, Saturday at 11. My thoughts on this game is Arkansas is clearly the better team. But that doesn't mean Missouri can't win this game. One, it's a rivalry game. I don't know how heated this is. Um, Jack, uh, you can enlighten me here. Is this a heated rivalry? Or... People have tried to make more of it than it is. Um, it's a trophy game. Uh, so there is that. Uh, and it is a trophy that I do think is pretty cool, the battle line um, trophy. It's much like the boot, but it's not. So... Um, one, th- one thing I look into for this game is Missouri has been playing better lately. They've won three out of their last four, five, or four out of their last six. So they have been getting it back on the right track. They haven't really beaten great teams to do that. They beat South Carolina, which uh, I mean, South Carolina's been playing better, and then they beat Florida. So they're capable of beating Arkansas. Obviously, none of those teams are on Arkansas' level. Um, but Arkansas can't just walk into this game expecting a win or else they'll definitely get beat. My prediction is right at that 14-and-a-half line, I have Arkansas winning 34-20. to 20. I have Arkansas winning this one 28-20. Yeah, I mean, and that's fair. Like, I, I don't necessarily see Arkansas covering the spread again. Missouri's been playing better. They just got bowl eligible. They're probably feeling pretty good about themselves, ready to end off the season on a good note. Um, obviously, Arkansas is in the same boat, but also how, how beat down is Arkansas from that Alabama game? Are they a little bit demoralized? They're probably positive, but 
are some players demoralized? How beaten up are they? A lot of teams don't play as well at the week after Alabama. And can Traylon Burks break 1,000 yards? Yeah. And for Missouri, they have to let Tyler Beatty loose. He has been probably, if not definitely, the SEC's best running back. They have to let him loose, and hopefully that will open the play action for Connor Bazelak and for Arkansas. They just need to run the ball. This Missouri's run defense has been terrible. It's been better, but it's still terrible. Arkansas just needs to pound the ball, and they'll win the game. Even if Tyler Beatty does get loose, if Arkansas takes their business on their side of the ball, it will be fine. I'm, I'm, I'm pointing at my dog, so I'm going to shut up. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Jack, are you, are, do you want to give a prediction for the Arkansas game? If not, I did. 28-20. Oh, Troy, that's right. You did. All right. Moving on. We've got an in-state battle. Florida State. Well, I guess we a bunch of these are. Florida State <laughs> at Florida on ESPN 11 a.m. on Saturday. Yes, sir. It's going to be an interesting game uh, because both of these teams, well, I don't want to say they're both awful, but they're both not very good, and uh, I actually do think that Florida State's going to win this game. Uh, the spread's two and a half. I think Florida State will win this game a whopping 35-17. to 17. Who's favorite? Uh, Florida right now, two and a half points. Florida's the favorite. Yeah, I feel like that's almost easy money for Florida State. Now, Florida was already giving up the rope. Now that they don't have a coach, is this something where they're happy they Dan Mullen's gone? I don't think so as much as much as he lost a locker room i don't think people just and i could be wrong i don't think people just hated dan mullen they might have not liked him um i i have florida state winning this one 34 17 florida state another team that hasn't had a great year but has gotten better as the year's gone on and then with florida they've gotten worse as the year has gone on so that's something to look at um with florida state mike norvell another coach that could be Fired. We could have all three Florida jobs open at the same time. I've actually Florida heard State Norvell's gonna. They're they're actually pretty high on Norvell over there, even after this lackluster season. Yeah, I, I don't think they're gonna fire him, but there has been talks there. Florida State, they just have to show some bite and throw a haymaker early. If they get up on Florida very early, I don't think Florida has the will to come back and win that game. And for Florida, they have to care. They have to fight. They have the more talented, better team. Now, they don't have their offensive coordinator. Um, Dan Mullen's gone. He was the offense. So, with that, it pretty much leaves them with a hand tied behind their back. So, that pretty much covers it for Florida. Florida State, Jack is taking care of the dogs. So, I'm going to move us on to the next game. We have Georgia at Georgia Tech on ABC, which, by the way, 35-point spread for this one, by the way. We don't see thirty-five. Wow. We don't see many ABC games, so I don't know why this one's on ABC. Maybe it's an ACC thing. But that one's at 11 a.m. Uh, there's really not much to talk about here. Georgia should take care of Georgia Tech. Um, they're just going to dominate this game. I have Georgia winning 45-7. to What do you think? I have Georgia winning 56-3. All right, moving on. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I really want to. I really want to talk more about your team. I've been trying, but y'all are too good. So, like yourselves. <laughs> moving on to Alabama at Auburn. We have the Iron Bowl, CBS, two thirty p.m. game. Alabama so, by nineteen and a half. Now, obviously, the loss of Bo Nix kind of puts a damper on this game. Somewhere through the season, we were thinking 
Auburn might actually have a chance in this game, especially after beating Arkansas, beating Ole Miss, and they've just lost three straight Texas A&M, Mississippi State, and South Carolina. And now this team looks completely different. So as far as looking at this game, 19.5 almost seems low because T.J. Finley's not it. He's not going to be able to go against Alabama's defense, surely not. And I – um, at this point, does Auburn's defense, can they kind of hold on to the rope for that long? I don't think so. I have Alabama winning this one 42-10 in a game that should have been better than what we're going to get. It's really sad. And again, it is the Iron Bowl. Anything can happen. TJ Finley could come out and have a Heisman Day. I don't see it happening. I don't either. Um, I think Alabama wins this one 42-17. to yeah. All right, moving on to Vanderbilt at Tennessee on the SEC Network at a weird start time of 2.45 p.m. I believe the line is 31 points in Tennessee's favor. Uh, I have Tennessee covering that at 56-21 to 21 Tennessee. I think Tennessee could score however many points it wants. Uh, last game of the season, senior day, I feel like they're going to come out motivated. Now with the defense, Vanderbilt has shown the ability to score on – most people in the kind of 10 to 24 range. So I tend to defense not very good. I see them getting 21 points, but the game never really in doubt Tennessee 56, 21. I actually have Vanderbilt losing this game 24 to, to probably 90, but realistically um, I have Vanderbilt losing this game 24 to uh, what's my final score. I think I said I was between 50 and, Five and forty-two. So we're going to say forty-two. Stay on the safe side. Yeah, something like that. Texas A&M at LSU on ESPN at six p.m. One little note of this game: I don't know if he's playing. I'm assuming he's not. LSU defensive back, former five-star Eli Ricks, has entered the transfer portal. That is a big development on LSU. You're going to expect a lot more of that with this coaching change. Uh, that's huge for any team that needs help in the secondary. I'm sure Georgia or Alabama is going to get it, which is going to suck. Or Arkansas. Like you never know. Could use them, but, Arkansas. you know, that is what it is. Jack, give us the line. Arkansas is probably going to get it. Uh, Texas A&M favored by six and a half. Um, really? I've got Texas A&M 27 to 13 here. Yeah, the, one, the one thing that gives LSU hope is this is Ed Ogeron's last game. I don't think I think his team likes and so respects at Ogeron, and for that reason, could this be LSU's one last hurrah, one last upset? Does Jimbo Fisher not want to hurt the team that he's going to be coaching next year? All okay. <laughs> Have we heard anything about the LSU coaching job yet? Like I feel I like we heard. Thing at all. I've, that's gone to, into complete and total obscurity, I feel like. After this week, though, it probably goes hot. Uh, I'm sure it picks up after this week. I'm, I don't know there's stuff out there, but nothing like big that you would expect. Again, that might tell you that a coach that they're going to hire is still coaching. <coughs> what if they go out and get, oh, Sorry. <coughs> what if they go out and get Billy Napier? That's well, see. That's what I think. But apparently, they really want to splash hire, which I think could be a mistake. But you look at coaches like Jimbo Fisher, Lincoln Riley, who I haven't heard is interested. Uh, Mario Cristobal. Then you have Billy Napier. They have good options. I think Billy Napier. I mean, he's in your backyard. So I mean, it, it is what it is. One second, I got big news. Um, 
Tennessee just got a commitment from a four-star linebacker, Joshua Joseph. All right, moving on. So, yes. I think, okay. <laughs> I haven't heard anything about Lincoln Riley, but that would make sense. Lincoln Riley trying to. I have, I have heard some stuff, but I've also, Brett McMurphy, who's been pretty reliable on these things, said there has been no talk and no interest from Lincoln Riley to the LSU job. Um, I, I, it makes sense for Lincoln Riley. The only thing is, I don't know. I, I just don't know about that. But my score prediction for this game, 38-17, Texas sitting there. I have them taking care of business, but you do have to watch out for that one last hurrah, like I said, from LSU and Ed Ogeron, because I think this team is going to come out and play for him, and the score could be a lot close, if not an upset in this game, if that is the case. Moving on to the next game, and this is another game that I think is going to be extremely interesting. We have Kentucky at Louisville on ESPN2 at 6.30 p.m. I've actually been to one of these games when... uh, Lamar was there? Lamar Jackson came to Kentucky. I think they blew Kentucky out, so it wasn't that good of a game. But it was was still a good experience. Uh, Jack, give us the lines. Lines for this one are going to be Louisville favored by two. Oh my goodness, two and a half. Louisville is a sneaky good team now. I don't think they're that good. I think the ACC is weak, extremely weak. And with that in mind, I have uh, I have Kentucky winning this game. I'll give my score prediction in a minute. But for what Kentucky needs to do to win this game, they have to contain Louisville's quarterback. I don't think he's an ace through the air, just like Will Levis, but he is really good on the ground. He can really get out of the pocket and run. And for Louisville, they need to stop Kentucky's running game. Make Will Levis beat them through the air. I don't think even though he did a good job this past week versus New Mexico State, it's not the same team. I like what Scott Satterfield has done at Louisville. So if they can stop uh, Smoke and all their running backs, I think they're in a good position. But with that being said, I have Kentucky winning a close one, 38-34. I have this one coming down to the wire. (coughs) Kentucky winning... No, 31 to 28. There you go. There you go. 31-28, Kentucky. Book it now. Um, But, yeah, we both have Kentucky winning this game. I think it would be an extremely disappointing outcome to the season for Kentucky not to win this game. They would drop to 8-4, which, don't get me wrong, is a good season, especially at Kentucky. No, I mean, no offense, but, I mean, that's a a good season at Kentucky. Did we admit – for Mark Stoops, I think that would just be very disappointing to drop this game. Louisville is 6-5, and five, so um, in a worse conference. So Kentucky on paper and everything else, I feel like should win this game. I don't really see how they're underdogs uh, in this game. It has to be the home. I guess they give three points to the home team. So if it's two-point line, I guess they're really thinking Kentucky's better by one. So, um, yeah. Any thoughts? Um. No, no I, already, I, mean, I already gave my score prediction. I already gave my, my, my score prediction. I feel like I've said what I want to say about this game. But I do want to say... Wait, one second. I've been trying to say this for like two minutes. Did we mention that Florida's interim head coach is Greg Knox? We didn't know. I didn't even know that. Uh, no, we did not. Okay. Did not. Yeah, right. There you go. But, um, yeah, okay. Anyways... Clemson at South Carolina on SEC Network at 6.30 p.m. Give us the lines. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to give you a stat line here in a second. But first, Clemson favored by 11.5. Well, let's talk about the former five-star quarterback, 
DJ Ungalele. Um, <coughs> is that how you pronounce his name? Uh, no, but uh, I can't, like, I've heard it pronounced, and I can't get my tongue to do that, so I just call him DJ U. All right, DJ U. Well, um, nine touchdowns on the season so far and eight interceptions. See, that's terrible. Now, I will say, <coughs> Clemson has started to play much, much better the past few weeks. They beat uh, Wake Forest last week, didn't they? Which is unfortunate for South Carolina. I will say, <coughs> South Carolina and uh, Shane Beamer is calling for the sellout versus Clemson. They really want a packed house in William, I think it's William Bryce Stadium. Please don't kill me if I'm wrong. Um, but That's they, it. Williams Bryce Stadium. Tonight game. They're going to get really crazy there. South Carolina has the <coughs> idea in their head that they can win this game, and as they should. Clemson has struggled with almost everybody this oh, year. Man. But like I said, because Clemson has started to play better, and I really think they have, Forest, I think this last week, if not the week before, I believe it was this last week, and Wake Forest is a damn good team. I think Clemson wins this game kind of decisively. Not saying South Carolina can't win this game. I think they can win this game, and I know if Pat was here, he would predict South Carolina to win. But I'm going Clemson 42-10. to 10. I'm going to be picking South Carolina in honor of our buddy. South Carolina wins this game. <coughs> Give me a second to think. I'm, I'm going to say South Carolina wins this game. <coughs> 24 to 14. And if South Carolina wins the game, I think that's how it would be scored. For Clemson, what they need to do to win, they have to let their defense determine the pace of the game. The reason they've been winning the past few weeks is because of their defense, not because of their offense. They beat Wake Forest, who's an all-offensive team, because they held their offense to very few points. That's the way they're going to win the game. South Carolina, they have to make DJU make mistakes and force the ball. He's not a good quarterback. As much as I hate to say it, I thought he was going to be the next Andrew Buck, and he still might be. He might develop. But right now, he's not a good quarterback. They cannot let Clemson beat them on the ground. They have to let him beat them through the air. They don't have elite wide receivers like they've had in years past. And I like South Carolina's defense. I think it's actually pretty good. I think they can halter this Clemson uh, (laughs) offense. And that's the only way they're going to that's the only way they're gonna do the, the only way they're gonna win. So that concludes this podcast. That does. This was an interesting one. Um, I hate that Pat wasn't here for it because I feel like he would have added so much in a, such a glorious time for South Carolina. But especially for the Egg Bowl. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. I feel bad. Um. But. Either way, we appreciate all of you for listening into the podcast. We will talk at you next week, obviously, with some juicy stuff. And then, obviously, we'll be leaning more into basketball season and leaning into the postseason, seeing. Uh, and then, obviously, after uh, the bowl season, we'll be reviewing these teams' seasons uh, in full uh, with the same Excel spreadsheet that we used at the beginning. It's so sad to say that it's coming to an end, but it is. Uh, just as time must go on, your team's got to get better next year. So, You have to have an off season. We'll talk at you next week. Bye, everyone.